Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Smallville flies into crisis. Supergirl adds new aliens. And we shine a spotlight on Andrea Rojas. This is Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode, we are going to shine a character spotlight on Andrea Rojas, a.k.a. Akrata. But before we do that, we need to get to... The news. According to TVLine.com, Smallville's Tom Welling will reprise his signature Man of Steel role in the five-part Crisis on Infinite Earths event. Per the CW, the crossover will, quote, reveal what happened to Clark Kent almost ten years later after the conclusion of Smallville. Uh, For eight years, Arrow has stood on the shoulders of Smallville, EP Mark Guggenheim said in a statement. Simply put, there would be no Arrow and no Arrowverse without it. So when we first started talking about Crisis on Infinite Earths, our first, second, and third priorities were getting Tom to reprise his iconic role as Clark Kent. To say that we're thrilled would be a Superman-sized understatement, unquote. So, Morgan, what do you think about getting to see Tom Welling as Clark Kent again? Somebody save! (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it i mean obviously you and i we we went through those smallville trenches together we, <laughs> we did that show was on for one million years <laughs> uh, and i watched all five thousand episodes of it so uh, i feel like it's finally paying off for me now like, this, is my, this is what i've been preparing for this is my moment However, i recommend listen you've got time like just start it now and you'll be done with Smallville by the time of the crossover if you don't go to work or sleep or eat. And then <laughs> you, too, will be as excited as I am. No, um, I think this is going to be really, really cool. I mean, we've already got the Brandon Roth Superman. We've got the, the Tyler Hecklin Superman. So, I mean, why not throw in the OG Tom Welling? you got to get the big dumb alien in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's... My question, though, I I think it's cool that they're paying homage to some of these other versions of the character and some of the other TV versions, especially because I think the Arrowverse has done a really good job of honoring the the TV legacies and the the cast from previous DC TV shows. So I think that's really cool. But my concern when I read this was like, oh, no, this is the third Superman. Uh... Do you think that Kara will get lost in this at all? Well, I'm concerned about everybody, to be <laughs> honest. Like, 
I don't think that ne- like the crossover necessarily has to be Kara's show. Like it doesn't have to be her showcase but it's or anything. Better when it is, right? It definitely is better when Kara <laughs> is a stronger presence in it. But I do, you know who I really feel bad for is Oliver Queen. And I, I've never said that sentence out loud. Uh, and I've never felt those feelings ever uh, because I don't feel bad for him. But I mean, <laughs> presumably this is the Oliver Queen swan song. That's true. And they are just adding every single Superman to the mix to the point where I'm like, is anybody going to remember that like this is the end of Arrow? Like you would think that would be what they would be focusing on for this crossover instead of just adding like a bunch of different versions of Superman. I I don't know. I I worry for everyone that Superman that these Supermans <laughs> are going to the Supermen, if you will, uh, are going to outshine kind of like not outshine, but like they're going to take the emphasis off of all the other characters in the crossover because they're sort of like the gimmick of the crossover right now. So while I do, I, while I do worry for Kara, uh, I feel like she kind of ends up getting short shifted in these crossovers anyway. And I've kind of gotten used to it, but uh, I mean, Oliver queen, he he's worked so hard and he's been (laughs) so unpleasant for so many years. And you think that he could at least get his own finale to like pay attention to him. (laughs) That's a really good point about Oliver. I was concerned about Kara because in last year's Elseworlds crossover, which I, for the most part, really liked, it did seem like it was a backdoor pilot for Tyler Hecklin's Superman, and that did bother me a little bit. Yeah. Because it was like, this is a Supergirl episode, and we're making it all about Superman. I love Superman and Lois Lane. Love, 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 love. But... At some point, it's still Supergirl's show. And that so that did concern me a little bit in terms of putting all these Supermen in there. Because if there are three Supermen, why do you need Supergirl? But then to your point, why do you need Green Arrow? It's even worse on his, <laughs> when you look at it <laughs> from his perspective, because he didn't even have superpowers. Right. Uh, he does have some cool uh, bows and arrows. So I got to give him credit for that. Uh, so that's that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about Oliver because most of the time I don't think much about Oliver. But I do think that that is a solid point as well. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious because Crisis on Infinite Earths is basically a story about how the multiverse condenses down into one Earth. So my concern is, and I guess we could get into this in our next news item because it's related, but uh, I don't know if these supermen are going to live by the end of it. Uh, So Yeah, that's true. That's what I don't know. Are they going to, is Tom Welling's Clark Kent just going to show up so he can die? I don't, (laughs) I don't know. I don't Uh, know. I I just like, I mean, because. That would be really funny, just especially because of how glowing they're like, we stand on the shoulders of Smallville. And then, like, what if what if Tom Welling comes up and he's like, hey, you guys, and then like immediately is killed. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that would be one way to do it, I guess. 
so do you want to get into the next news item that is related to crisis? Related. Um, a TV line also reports that Erica Durance is on board to reprise her role as Lois Lane. Uh, so she's going to be guest starring in multiple episodes of the five part event. So we will be getting Clark Kent and Lois Lane in here. And even though this is not my favorite Lois Lane, she's kind of low tier Lois Lane for me. <laughs> uh, I do appreciate that a lot of people do like her Lois Lane and uh, she was very good as Allura, surprising to me most of all, uh, that I <laughs> that I enjoyed Erica Durant as Allura, and I thought she did a really great job. Uh, so this is going to be interesting, though, because Erica Durant has played Kara's biological Kryptonian mother, and now she is coming back to play Lois Lane. So is this going to make Kara super confused? Yeah, I was going to say, like, what is Kara going to do? She's going to be like, oh. Mom? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't yeah, I don't know. That's gonna be a little weird. I kind of I kind of wish that they hadn't had her on the show already because it's just gonna be a little bit like how are they gonna are they gonna like make some like line to the camera kind of like, you look just like my mom. I think if Car is gonna be in a scene with her, they almost have to. And I almost wish that, well, I want I want this for so many reasons, but I wish they would bring Helen Slater's Supergirl back and Dean Cain's Superman and just make it really mind-blowing for Kara. She's like, yeah, wait. Just go on. <laughs> Ma- Mom? Jeremiah? Is your name Jeremiah? <laughs> we, ha- we haven't seen you in so long. Where have you been? You're now Superman? What? Uh, so I, I kind of wish that that was, and hey, bring back, uh, Terry Hatcher's Lois Lane. Where is Terry Hatcher's Lois Lane is the Just question. all in. <laughs> <laughs> we cannot do this without Terry Hatcher's Lois Lane and, uh, Dean Cain's Clark Kent slash Superman. Though that, that would be like, I would go crazy over that news. That would be amazing. But yeah, so I, I do think that, the, <laughs> that this casting, especially the Eric Durant's portion of it, uh, will have to... Make the multiverse make more sense. I think the DC TV Arrowverse uh, crowd, the audience kind of, I mean, we're used to the multiverse at this point. We've seen many variations on these characters. We had a whole uh, crossover where they, some of our favorite characters were Nazis. So we, we get it, you know, we, we understand that concept. Um, But I don't, I, they may have to go the extra mile to explain this. I don't know. It's going to be interesting for, for sure. In addition to some casting news, season five of Supergirl is adding a few new recurring faces. Deadline Hollywood revealed that Cara Buono, I I guess I said that right. I'm sorry if I mispronounced it. And Mitch Pelagi have booked recurring gigs as two new DC Comics characters. Bono will be playing Gemini, while Pelegi will be playing, portraying Rama Khan. And this is how Warner Brothers TV describes the Supergirl version of these characters. Quote, Gemini, an ancient alien who, with others of her kind, have been safeguarding the Earth from the follies of humanity throughout the ages. Gemini's aim is to use technology to subjugate humans. Gemini is cunning, witty, ruthless, and always 10 steps ahead of her adversaries. Gemini's agenda puts her into conflict with her would-be allies and on a collision course with Supergirl. 
Pelegi will recur as Ramakan, an ancient alien who is able to control the four ancient elements, fire, water, earth, and air. Arrogant and willful, Ramakan has been entrusted to use his powers to protect the earth from mankind for millions of years, but now his agenda puts him at odds with Supergirl as well as Lena Luthor, unquote. Uh-huh. That was an unexpected <laughs> twist because it sounded a lot like the Gemini character, but this uh, Ramakan seems to have some beef with, with Lena, too. So that actually makes me very intrigued. Um, so I, I'm glad to see that these uh, these characters who are actually DC Comics characters. I mean, if you if you go to the DC fandom wiki, you will find Gemini and Ramakan. So I'm glad to see that these aren't just like made up random aliens. These are actually characters who uh, do occupy a space in the DC Comics universe. So that is very exciting. Uh, so I'm I'm interested in to seeing uh, where they pop up. You know, how do they play into the season five storyline? Is it part of the technology theme that we've heard so much about? about? Uh, what are they going to be doing is my question. Yeah, it seems like it's going to at least Gemini, which I would not have guessed that that would be how you pronounce it. <laughs> I had to think about it for a while, but I think that's right. I would have been like Gemini. <laughs> I mean, doesn't, doesn't it seem like Gemini? It does seem like it would be Gemini. Or maybe it's... Gammon, Gammonai, Gammon, maybe I come I, I <laughs> when I was looking at it and thought about it, I, I came to the conclusion that it was Gemini, but now I'm questioning it. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to take us down this road. <laughs> take us down this. This is a, this is a, the Martians' names all over again. <laughs> Are we sure this is not a green slash white Martian? What if I just started putting like the, uh, the little, <laughs> the apostrophes? apostrophes in the middle of it <laughs> <laughs> well maybe it could be gamum nigh i'm not sure i'm not sure either well we'll have to wait until this character pops up in the show and we'll make them pronounce it and then somebody says her name <laughs> yes and then we'll know for sure <laughs> <laughs> so we're just giving it our best guesses at this point ramakan i think is is correct ramakan seems a, an easy one have you seen either <laughs> of the actors in anything i haven't have you i have well i mean i'm a like a an x-files fan from from way back so uh obviously mitch pelegi was a, a big character in the x-files he was skinner and i've seen him in a, a couple other things he was in the reboot of dallas and he's he pops up here and there and i'm always like skinner uh it's one, one of those things where he like can never escape that role for me he was on the dallas reboot he was is, is that now our third um our third actor i think it is because uh brenda strong and then yeah the uh the G. character gonzalez right yeah the character we're is gonna that... talk about in the spotlight yeah who did he play on dallas let me i will tell you in one second <laughs> Oh, he was apparently also an American Horror Story. Listen, he's always Skinner. That's what he is. But oh, <laughs> when you play a character for three hundred years, like he did on the X Files, that's you just have to accept that that's who you are now. But um, let's see, I can't remember his character's name on he... Dallas. This is very this is exciting radio for everyone. It's like yes, Google. Yes. Um, was he so romantic? Really tapping into the, Dal the <laughs> Dallas reboot fan base, which is just apparently like us and the producers of Supergirl. <laughs> apparently, he was somebody named Harris Ryland. 
Did he have a thing with Brenda Strong's character? He, he sure did. I thought he did. Maybe they were uh, ex-husband, ex-wife or something? I th- Yes. Yes. He was her ex. That's right. That is interesting. There's a lot of Dallas stuff happening. It's clear to me that some of the producers, <laughs> at least, it was me and you and the producers. We were the ones who watched Dallas, as far as I can tell. All right, Morgan, <laughs> should we do like a pitch of who else should come on to the show? Oh, yeah. I mean, it should definitely be, what was his name? It was like J.R. son. Yes. Oh, my gosh. What, what, what was his name? He... Um, he, yes. he left a huge impression on me, obviously, <laughs> uh, as I immediately forgot his name. He was a main character. That's, uh, <laughs> he was John Ross. John Ross John, Ewing. Yes. We should bring him on the show. Um, who else? Well, let's let's get Patrick Duffy in here. I mean, why not? Why, why not? Why not? limit ourselves? <laughs> I also, I thought that Jor- Jordana uh, Brewster, I thought she she was good on that show. Um, yeah, let's just let's just go the the whole the whole cast. Just bring them on. Just bring the whole cast. like like episode by episode. Every episode <laughs> is a new <laughs> is a new character that was on Dallas. The reboot of Dallas. <laughs> I would it's be very so, confusing to everyone. <laughs> I would be so into that. Actually, it would be so good. <laughs> uh yes. Okay. Well, uh, welcome to Dallas Reboot Radio. Uh, where we talk about the characters uh, on Dallas who should show up <laughs> on Supergirl. Um, so that is kind of it for our uh, casting news and our news uh, about Crisis. Uh, it does seem to to be kind of uh, coming upon us, at least for them to shoot it. We did get some news from Michael Rosenbaum. He tweeted out, I, I, I didn't put this in our, our infamous Google Docs, but it sounds like... Uh, his Lex Luthor will not be recurring because he got a strange uh, offer from WB. They gave him no information about a script. They didn't really offer him. It sounded like a <laughs> lot of money. Uh, so he passed on it. So we will, it seems like as of right now, we're not going to see Michael Rosenbaum's Lex Luthor, which is kind of upsetting, if I'm going to be honest, because I did love his Lex Luthor. So. That's disappointing. He's one of my all-time favorite Lex Luthers. I think he's like, he he for me was one of my favorite parts of Smallville. So yeah, I was really disappointed when I read that they kind of seemed they seemed it sounds like they came to him sort of last minute with no details or information, which is probably not the way to get somebody to come on your show. But uh, but fingers crossed that maybe they come back to him and are like. Here, here's what we want you to do, and sorry about that, but it seems unlikely. Yeah, it seems strange that they would f- call him up and be like, we want you to do this thing, but we don't know what you're going to be doing. We don't know when it's going to be happening, and we're not going to really pay you all that much. Uh, I can't imagine anybody would have thought that that was a good idea, uh, but someone apparently did do that, <laughs> <laughs> which is very strange. Uh, but yeah, I mean, maybe they, maybe they have time to turn around. I don't know, but, uh, we'll definitely be seeing some characters from the Smallville universe in crisis. 
All right. Well, let's get into our character spotlight because uh, we're going to be introduced to the character of Andrea Rojas in the fifth season of Supergirl. So we are going to use this episode of Supergirl Radio to learn more about this DC Comics character who is also known as Akrata, also sometimes known as the Angel of Vengeance. And we're going to get into that, speaking of Smallville. <laughs> uh, so uh, in the comics, uh, Akrata's real name is Andrea Rojas. Uh, she was created by Oscar Pinto, Francisco Hagenbeck, uh, who are the writers, and Giovanni Barberi, who was the artist on the first appearance of Akrata. Um, the DC Fandom Wiki also lists Brian K. Vaughn and Carlo Barberi as creators, so uh, kind of different uh crediting there so i just wanted to mention all of them uh akrata slash andrea rojas uh her first appearance is in superman annual uh volume two number 12 from august 2000 and akrata has a, a partnership she she is uh mostly known to be part of a trio so it's it's Akrata and then this character named El Muerto and another character named, uh, I'm, I'm, I pronounce it in my head as Iman. So it might be Iman. I'm not really sure exactly which one is correct. Uh, so I guess I will go with what's in my head, Iman. Uh, so El Muerto, if you're interested in El Muerto, here's, here's a little description of his character. Uh, his name is Pablo Valdez, once a young man in Mexico City who idolized Superman. He died in a crumbling building while trying to save a small girl from a hostage situation. He was later resurrected through mysticism as an undead hero. Donning an outfit reminiscent of hanging victims... Little, little grim here, El Muerto. Uh, he he became El Muerto. In his new incarnation, he ceased idolizing Superman and instead began to hate him. El Muerto blamed his death solely on Superman, believing that he that had he been there, he could have prevented the entire incident. He was also critical on the fact that Superman did not help Mexico in fighting crime on the streets and began to do it himself. El Muerto teamed up with fellow heroes Akrata and Iman in defending the streets of Mexico City from the sorcerer Duran. And we will talk a little bit about that story. So Iman, uh, I, don't, I don't know, Morgan, do you want to read Iman's description? Iman, uh, Diego Iro, Irogian. You see, I, I wanted you to read that so you would have to pronounce <sighs> that. Jeez, uh, I am so bad at pronouncing all names. <laughs> is the thing i just butcher everything uh as the uh what gemini debacle (laughs) (laughs) the great gemini Uh, debate (laughs) so diego was a brilliant student in mexico city he was a recipient of a scholarship to yale university from wayne enterprises and he wrote his doctoral thesis on astronomy and superheroes he was later employed by star labs as an astronaut while Diego was in outer space, his mother was kidnapped and murdered. Also dark. Okay. <laughs> On his return, he pledged to use his genius to serve the cause of justice and built for himself a powerful exoskeleton that granted him superhuman strength and resistance to injury. Uh, he greatly admires Superman, whose ideals Iman sa- ha- has said he tries to live up to. He often teams up with fellow Mexican superheroes El Muerto and Akrata, uh, such as when the three of them... Sorry, I had to scroll down. Uh, <laughs> such as when the three of them, along with Superman, saved Mexico and the world from total destructions at the hands of a bioterrorist group led by a Mexican 
sorcerer named Duran, who is trying to channel the powers inherent in the ley lines of Earth. So all normal stuff, just really chill, <laughs> chill life he's led. <laughs> Everyone has su- had such a great life in uh, this crew. It's been going great <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> Things are going great. Uh, people have died and been resurrected. People's mothers have been murdered. No big deal. Uh, but yeah, so those are the the two guys that Akrata slash Andrea Rojas uh, teams up with and and fights uh, bad guys with. So that's that's sort of her team. Uh, she does have uh, a notable relative. Uh, her father is Doctor Bernardo Rojas. He is a doctor in the uh, first appearance that she is in, and sh- he helps them piece together some some history uh, to to help fight the bad guys and save the day. So he serves as a form of information for Akrata, and it, it's very convenient because it's her dad. <laughs> that that's that is a convenient connection. <laughs> she is seen in her first appearance uh, with a black cat. Uh, so she does seem to have a pet cat. Uh, there's no name given, uh, but the cat does hang around with her at home. And I guess it's, uh, maybe she's a little superstitious. Maybe she's fighting the superstition of black cats. And, uh, I guess maybe that's part of it. Uh, but there's, there's no real attention paid to it. I just thought it was interesting. So I made note of it that she uh, does like, she's a cat person. Um, she was born in Coban, Guatemala. Her base of operations is in Mexico City. Her occupation is that, uh, her, her occupation on the interwebs listed her as an adventurer, which I didn't know oh. was a career path. I mean, what have I been doing? <laughs> How do you become an adventurer? I want to know. Um, but also, I guess more technically, she's a, a Mesoamerican anthropologist. That seems more like a real job. Oh, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine putting that on your resume, though? Adventurer. I would have so many questions if I interviewed somebody <laughs> who said they were it an It says ad- here you're an adventurer. <laughs> <laughs> what does that entail? <laughs> adventure, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> Going on the adventures, having the adventures, just adventuring. Um, so Akrata does have some special abilities, uh, shadow teleportation is involved, Martian arts, acrobatics. Uh, the one thing that I thought was really interesting about Akrata in the first appearance she is in is that she, uh, recites quotations quite a bit. It's her thing. It's a recurring part of her character. Uh, so here are some of the quotations. Uh, she says, as the poet masters once said, Quote, she has vanished like the snows of yesterday, end quote. And then at another point, she says, stay close to me, gentlemen, for as the soldier Atrides once asked, quote, why should a man give his life in battle when he could simply retreat, unquote. Uh, Then there's another quote that says, maybe Nietzsche was wrong when he suggested that we are all, quote, slaves to the Superman, unquote. And then uh, there's three more. Uh, she said, because <laughs> I want I want to notate this. I, I want you people to know. I want all the, the listeners is just to drop in quotes left. We get it. You read. Crada <laughs> is so smart and a very very good memory. Uh, she also at one point says, as the French spy Joseph Fouché often said, quote, there is more truth to be found in the shadows than in the light, unquote. 
And she also says, I admire your stand on the environment, but as the philosopher Kant suggested, quote, the end does not justify the means, end quote. And then at the the uh, end here, she says, uh, of course, there shall always be some questions that re- uh, remain unanswered. And Superman recognizes that as Socrates. I did try to look up some of these quotes to see if they were real, and some of them <laughs> I couldn't find, which I thought was suspicious. Were we just making up quotes here? I don't know. I feel like I, I don't know if uh, have you, if you've ever seen. It. I think there was like a long John Oliver um, segment on it about the like the fake quotes that go around, which is like the Facebook picture with like Albert Einstein with a quote that like he never actually said. Maybe that's what that's what her whole jam is. It's just like quoting things and seeing if people are like, wait a minute, that's not. <laughs> It's like that picture of Abraham Lincoln that says, uh, don't believe everything you read on the internet, Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) Abraham Lincoln. Yes, that's exactly what it's like. Yeah, maybe that is, uh, she's just testing everyone to see if if you fall for it. Uh, But she does like to quote things. She does like to seem smart uh, to everyone. Uh, So that seems to be one of her, her things, one of her character traits. Uh, she does have some special equipment. She has uh, a Mayan symbol that she wears. Uh, it's a small Mayan artifact that allows her to teleport while she's in the shadows. Um, so there is that. Um, so I guess we could talk about her first appearance, kind of go through the story and uh, some of the things that she's involved in there. So she first appears in Superman Annual Volume 2, number 12 which uh, was released in August 2000. So this character is relatively young, relatively new, uh, within the last 20 years. So at the start of this story, we find out that traffic is built up on the streets of Mexico City. And there's a little girl standing in the middle of the freeway, which causes a 10-car pileup. And while uh, when people get out of their cars to check on the little girl, she causes an explosion. This is not a normal little girl. She Uh is very dangerous. So these three Mexican heroes, Akrata, Iman, and El Muerto, uh, they all uh, emerge to help out the citizens of Mexico City uh, trying to stop this uh, strange, dangerous little girl who uh, appears in the streets. And while they're doing that, Clark Kent is conveniently in Mexico City. He's working for the Daily Planet sister paper, El Planeta, I guess is how you say that. I'm not well-versed in in Spanish, uh, so if I've butchered that, uh, my apologies. But it's basically the the Spanish or the Mexican um, equivalent to the Daily Planet. Uh, So when this little girl causes another explosion, she's just all over Mexico City and causing explosions. Superman shows up on the scene for that one, and he meets Iman, El Muerto, and Akrata. And the little girl uses her magic, which, of course, uh, if you know about Kryptonian weakness, uh, that is a Kryptonian weakness. Uh, so it does uh, make Superman uh, unconscious. It, it has an effect on him. So they transport Superman atop the World Trade Center in Mexico City so he can recuperate. And while they're there, they try to figure out who this little girl is and where her power came from. And Akrata recognizes the symbol on the, the young girl's dress as the symbol of, ooh, do you want to pronounce this, Morgan? Um, oh. Oma uh, Teotl? Oh. Ome Teotl? 
Crystal. That can't be right. We're gonna that go. Can't be right. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna go with that. O m e t e o t l. Um, so Akrata recognizes the symbol that the little girl is wearing as the god of the near and close. And when Superman asks what the symbol has to do with the terrorist attacks, Akrata tells him that she doesn't trust him enough to share that information and that she wants to work alone. So Akrata, not really big on teaming up with Superman. She's like, I got this. I don't trust you. I don't know you. You might be Superman, but I I don't personally know you. So she wants to go and figure this out uh, by herself. So Iman and Superman go to visit Dr. Rojas, which uh, we'll find out later. Has a, We already kind of went over his special connection to Andrea, but the characters don't know that in the story. Um, so Iman and Superman go to visit Dr. Rojas at the National Museum of Anthropology to see if he knows what the symbol is. Dr. Rojas believes that it represents the power of the Earth. And around at the same time that Iman and Superman meet with Dr. Rojas, Akrata, who also takes off her mask at this point, revealing her face and referring to herself as Andrea, calls her, quote, Papito, her father, who turns out to be Dr. Rojas. She asks uh, him to send her everything he has on the symbol. So she she's doing things on her own outside of the team, but she's <laughs> using the same source of information they are. So they might as well be working together. It's, uh, it's very strange. So while she's investigating alone, Akrata goes into uh, the lair of an eco-terrorist named Duran and finds this little girl who's been causing all this damage. Uh, and Akrata ends up waking the little girl up and security guards uh, start coming after her. Uh, Iman, El Muerto, and Superman... Thankfully, just in time, arrive uh, to help Akrata out. And Akrata tells Superman that she believes the little girl is a conduit for much of the planet's mystical energy. So she, uh, this little girl, is very powerful and very mystical. So Duran, the terrorist and the bad guy of this story, who wants Mexico to pay for its rampant pollution of the planet, he, uh, he's, he's. Obviously upset about pollution, which understandable, but maybe this is not the best way to go <laughs> go about it. Probably not. <laughs> so Duran, this eco-terrorist, uh, shows up and throws Akrata, Iman, El Muerto, and Superman in a dark room encased in six inches of reinforced steel. And they're all in there together. And Superman can't break them out because his strength is gone due to the... He's got some enchanted ropes that are tying him up, so... He has some problems with magic, and he can't break them out of this cell. But thanks to Iman's skeleton key, they manage to escape. So he comes in clutch in this situation uh, because Superman can't break him out. In order to stop Duran, Akrata needs to translate the text on Duran's medallion. And this is sort of, I think, why she's big on quotations. Her quotations make more sense because she ends up saving the day by knowing words so i don't know if there's that tie that's probably a little bit of a stretch but uh that's how i tried to connect those two pieces of her character um she tells her team that the god omitiodo prophesized that uh prophesied that while a young girl would one day harness the negative power of the earth a visitor from the stars would serve as the vessel for its positive energy Akrata comes to the conclusion that the prophecy is speaking about Superman and needs to recite the, the incantation. So the incantation, do we want to try to say the incantation? Oh, 
Do we? <laughs> Do we? Because it's I. I don't. Ah ah ah! Now nafrak amachi huado as bad ve hot dohio amati chudo yen ve. I don't think that was right at all. Uh, but <laughs> no, I think that's definitely. I think we just summoned something. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Akrata, it got dangerous to hear. So Akrata says this incantation, and when she finishes it, Superman becomes possessed by an ancient spirit who is replacing the dark spirit's chaos with order. So Superman uh, is possessed, and he's he's acting uh, a little differently, and. Uh, Akrata at this point feels that too much power is coming off of this medallion and she drops it and smashes this object into pieces. The story ends with Akrata, Iman, El Muerto, and Superman who uh, helps them end Duran's reign of eco-terrorism on Mexico City even though he's been possessed by this other spirit. He helps save the day because uh, it wasn't a, 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 a bad spirit, just you know a spirit that uh, possessed his body, his Kryptonian body. So it's a little bit of a strange story. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they do uh, stop uh, stop an eco-terrorist from uh, causing problems for Mexico City. And um, it is neat to see that Akrata has a team of her own, that she interacts with Superman, that she is very, very smart. Um, so those are those are interesting aspects of her character, and it's a it's a big story uh, for for this first appearance that she's in that she has all these connections and these uh, character traits that are very unique to her. So uh, that is her first appearance. Mm. I mean, uh, she was she was busy in that first appearance. She had lots to do. She had to stop a little girl who was uh, mystically uh, causing chaos and uh, causing explosions and terrorism in the city. She had to stop a, a, a bad guy. She uh, recited an incantation that possessed Superman. She, I mean, she had a lot on her plate in that first issue. Uh, but she got the job done. The day was saved. So uh, let's talk about we've we talked about her first appearance in the comics, but the only other real place that we've seen Andrea Rojas uh, is actually on Smallville. Andrea Rojas appeared on Smallville, uh, played by Denise uh, Quinones. She okay, first right. appeared. Did I get that? I don't know. I think I, so. I think that's right. All right. Uh, she first appeared in the season five episode uh, titled Vengeance. So in that episode, Martha Kent is dropping off some of Jonathan Kent's clothes. Uh, this was after his death on the show. R.I.P. Jonathan. R.I.P. Uh, to donate in the area of Metropolis known as Suicide Slums. While she's there, she's attacked by muggers. Um, just before they uh, they attempt to slit her throat, uh, a masked female vi- vigilante comes to Martha's rescue and saves her. Uh, this as-of-yet-unidentified hero has super strength, which allows her to make super jumps across the city, and super agility uh, gained from a heart transplant from one of Smallville's meteor freaks. Because, of course. I was about to say, if, 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 listen, if this is your first time um, hearing about Smallville f- somehow... Um, <laughs> Meteor Freaks 
were really the engine that powered that show. <laughs> uh, they like uh, they 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 took every part of the kryptonite basically on that show, and they really they really made it work for them. Uh, so meteor the uh, the crypt the kryptonite meteor shower that happens on Smallville pretty much powers um, ten seasons of that show. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's true though. It is true. So what do you think about, um, just while we're talking about the scene where uh, this this masked hero appears to save Martha, what, what do you think about the uh, appearance, the costume? Um, so the costume's a little bare bones. She's just kind of got like a mask and like a cool belt. Like a kind of scary belt buckle. Yeah, it's like a like a pirate belt. Yeah, like a pi- like she does kind of have a pirate vibe. <laughs> it's a little bit piratey, I think. Like she starts out and she's like, "I wanna, I wanna look like I'm sailing the high seas," <laughs> but also stopping crime <laughs> instead of doing crime. <laughs> she's sort of like the anti pirate in a way. Mm. Yeah. It makes you wonder what the the symbolism of the belt is. <laughs> How do you feel about the that costume? Yeah, I wish that um, I understood the pirate belt. I wish I knew the purpose of that. And maybe maybe there's someone out there knows the imagery in relation to that because I don't think it has anything to do with a crotta in terms of like, especially her first appearance. Um, yeah, I there are some things in this Smallville iteration that do harken back to the comic Akrata, but I don't think the pirate belt has anything to do with it. So I do think it's strange because the show focuses in on it, like shows a close up of the belt. You get a really good look of her belt. Yeah, it like zooms in. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so they <laughs> obviously want us to know that she's wearing it, but they don't. Tell us exactly why. So the episode continues. Clark wants to track down the muggers who attacked his mother uh, because they took his father's watch. Uh, So he goes to visit Chloe Sullivan at the Daily Planet. Uh, While Clark is there, he literally bumps into a glasses-wearing Daily Planet employee working on the obituaries named Andrea Rojas, who notices that they're investigating the vigilante. Now, this stuff happened on Smallville all the time, where they would just bump into <laughs> the person who happened to Clark Kent was would just bump into everybody, everybody, and then later on he'd be like, "You." <laughs> <laughs> Um, during their discussion about the mass vigilante, uh, Chloe names Andrea the angel of vengeance because Martha Kent said she swooped down from the heavens. Uh, while Chloe receives the police reports from the, uh, about the vigilante, the mass newly named angel of vengeance comes down from above and covers Chloe's mouth. She heard that Chloe was asking around about her and thinks a front page story about her would be bad for her health. Uh, she tells Chloe, let it go. Uh, Comprende, uh, and claims to be one of the good guys. So that I guess is sort of her the tip off to her origin from the comics. Yeah, I think that's it's their small way of trying to honor the comics that they they make it seem like she does uh, have some Mexican heritage in there. Uh, so I I uh, that's that's how I'm I'm trying to make a. I know it seems maybe like a little bit of a stretch, but that's that's how I'm trying to go there. Yeah, it's, it seems like that's sort of their hat tip to that that character from the comics. Um, 
especially since they, you know, renamed her, uh, hoping that the angel of vengeance can help ID the guys who mugged his mom. Clark gets Chloe to pretend to be mugged so that the angel of vengeance will show up to save her, which she does uh, during a fight with <laughs> during a fight with Clark. The angel of vengeance is unmasked and they see her face, and that's when Clark is like, "You? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! It's oh my god!" I saw you yesterday. This is so embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) When Clark confronts the Angel of Vengeance, he learns about her background in gymnastics and, more importantly, the story of how she and her mom were mugged, leading to a knife going into um, Andrea's heart, resulting in her need for a heart transplant and her mom's death. Turns out that Andrea's mom dedicated her life to a group called Akrata. That fought gangs, dealers, and suits who wanted to tear down their homes. Bonding over the loss of a parent, Clark um, and Andrea decide to team up and face the 13th Street gang together. While Clark refuses to kill the man they go after, Andrea is willing to do it, seeking vengeance for her mother's death. She kills that man and then goes after Lionel Luther, who is one of the suits she mentioned earlier in the episode. Andrea tries to throw Lionel out of his office window. While Clark saves him, Andrea is able to escape. Um. Yeah, man, Lionel Luther almost got killed like almost every episode too. And uh, <laughs> throwing him out of a window seems like a really popular way to do Very it. Very popular to, way to 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 have him go out. Uh, <laughs> so not only does the Angel of Vengeance go off the grid, Andrea Rojas doesn't show up to her job at the Daily Planet. But this is not the last time Smallville fans would see Andrea Rojas. In addition to the season five episode in which she's introduced, she also appears in the mini episodes known as The Vengeance Chronicles. So these were these little mini episodes. Were they online, Rebecca? Do you remember? Or were they on the DVD? I think they were on the DVD, but of course, if you really want. When there were DVDs, <laughs> yes, DVD sets. Which uh, back then, if you had a six-disc DVD changer, it was the best thing because you could load. Oh my god, I n- never had one of those. And do you remember? Do you remember how annoying the Smallville, like the cases for those Smallville DVDs, where you had to like flip it open, flip it open, <laughs> flip it open, flip it open, like it was like you were doing like origami art with your <laughs> DVDs so just true. to get out the disc. <laughs> that is so true. And sometimes they wouldn't even stay in there. Yeah, and then they jangling all around in there you'd open up and you're like why is disc three scratched (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad i'm not the only one who had those problems that makes me feel a little bit better but yeah those cases were a little uh they were a little involved in getting them opened uh but yeah if you had a six a six disc dvd changer you could load up a whole season and just watch it and go uh, now, now we would call that Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> but back in the day, um, yeah. So I think these were originally online and then were included in the season five DVD box set, or it might have been the other way around. They might have been on the DVDs and then people put because the, I'm they're on YouTube. If you really, if you really want to find them, they're on YouTube. Um, so in the Vengeance Chronicles, Andrea shows back up at the Daily Planet and she needs Chloe's help. She tells Chloe that after almost killing Lionel Luther, she was going to quit being the Angel of Vengeance for good. That was the case until she was attacked by men who were hunting down superpowered people in Metropolis. So Andrea informs Chloe that this is all related to level 33.1, which was a secret floor in Luther Corp Plaza where Lex Luther stored and studied metahumans. So that was a season 
three callback or was or was Lex still knocking about thirty three point one in season five? I don't I don't remember. You had to ask me that, and I don't <laughs> know because this is in this is during season my, five. My deep well of knowledge of of Smallville has dried up considerably. <laughs> yes, the, these are things I would have to go searching for, but I think it was was there a level thirty three and then a level thirty three point one? I think level thirty three point one was always kind of the level where he was keeping his like secret experiments i think that started at like okay. season three now now i'm gonna have to look this up because i don't i don't want it to to go past us here <laughs> i feel like i feel like we got, need to clarify this devolve <laughs> <laughs> so i think it was i think what we're thinking about is there's a level three which was a mysterious level in Luther Corp's fertilizer plant in Smallville. Okay, so um, level 33.1 was a secret floor in Luther Corp Plaza where Lex Luthor stored and studied many humans. Uh, thank you, fandom. Its first it, appearance seems to have been in season three, so I think I was right, uh, in the episode Delete. Mm. But then it also reappears in season four, I think, and in season five, and then just really goes really ham in season six there's like <laughs> 300 like who's in there <laughs> like this person this person this person this person <laughs> lex got really busy in season six that's when he really committed himself he was like listen I- i've 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 been putting this project on the back burner and i really need to kidnap more people <laughs> Yeah, so um, the first appearance in uh, Delete, it it features Molly Griggs, who's a character that uh, we should probably talk about in relation to the Vengeance Chronicles. When Andrea agrees to help the characters Nick Yang and Molly Griggs to break into Lex's mansion to get files they can use to expose level 33.1 to the world... Of course, the plan goes awry when uh, Andrea realizes that Molly Grigg installs a program to hypnotize Lex into killing himself. It's a real party foul. <laughs> then, <laughs> then Andrea tell, talks Nick out of letting Molly do this, and he destroys the computer. In the end, they don't get the level 33.1 evidence they need, but Andrea is determined to finish the work that her mother started, and the Angel of Vengeance is on her is her way of doing that. Um so her, so Andrea Rojas's appearance on Smallville is similar to Batman. She's even revealed to um, to a music cue that sounds a lot like Danny Elfman's Batman theme. She says she's blind as a bat. And in the Vengeance Chronicles, Chloe and Andrea joke about getting the Angel of Vengeance a big floodlight. Uh, but she's also an example of how Clark could develop a secret identity when he becomes Superman. And she changes in a phone booth. And she's a bumbling and glasses-wearing Daily Planet employee who has access uh, to the news. Now, again, if you did not watch Smallville, they were a little bit obsessed with both of these things. Both of these things being uh, showing Clark how he could become Superman to the point where it's like, if he hasn't figured it out by now, maybe we should be concerned. (laughs) And, And also, they were weirdly obsessed with trying to trying to jam Batman into the show, um, even though they knew they had no rights to Batman, they would never be able to use them. But he, it didn't stop them from trying <laughs> over and over and over again to get Batman in there. They were like, okay, fine. We're going to have Ian Summerholder, and he's basically going to be Batman. And then they were like, 
actually, no, I guess he's not Batman. And then they were like, we'll have her. She's just like Batman. It's like, no, she's actually not like Batman. And then they're like, we're going to, we're going to introduce Oliver Queen. But what if Oliver Queen was just basically Batman? Uh, They loved Batman on that show and they wanted him in it so badly. And I'm so sad for them that they never got that chance. You're forgetting when Clark would put on a long black uh, trench coat and stand on top of skyscrapers (laughs) at night. Of course, of course, because, you know, again, they loved Batman. So, and, you know, Batman's great. And, and I can't, I can't, they were making a show about Superman. I want to point that out. Not Batman. But listen, we all get excited about the things we love sometimes. You got to admire their determination. They're like, listen, if there's, where there's a will, there's a way. But it turns out, it turns out with the WB, like, legal department, there actually wasn't a way. And they could never figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Andrea Rojas, she was uh, a cool character, but it seems like she was kind of wasted in the Vengeance Chronicles. She has this whole thing that she's trying to do, and then they end up not doing it. They, <laughs> do, they don't get the evidence they need for 33.1, and it feels like the Vengeance Chronicles is an entire entire waste of time. <laughs> well, it, it's funny, because it I, I, en- I enjoyed that one. That was one of my maybe one of my favorite they did these like on smallville they did these little web series all the time between the seasons and that was a really that was a fun one i think that that web series it it ultimately led nowhere but (laughs) to be fair in a web series you really couldn't do much like you could you could be like this changes the very fabric of the show and it's like well yeah but like only 10 people watch this on their (laughs) aol browser so (laughs) what are you gonna start back into the next season and be like if you had only watched our web series sponsored by Verizon. (laughs) (laughs) The the web series was sponsored by tried like tried gum and they oh no who was it was it it stride it was stride I think I think I called the gums tried but it was stride (laughs) definitely um where they had a whole episode dedicated to that I mean, people think the product placement is bad now. <laughs> what you don't understand is that Smallville was really what I would call the sweet pinnacle of that product placement <laughs> era when they were like, we could get money just for making it a whole episode about gum. <laughs> and oh, man. I, I, feel like, I feel like people who don't watch Smallville don't understand that the episode was actually about gum. <laughs> like, I'm not, we're not exaggerating at all. Like, I'm sorry that this so much of this podcast has become about Smallville. I have a <laughs> lot of thoughts and feelings about it. But, like, it's there was a whole episode about kryptonite-infused gum. <laughs> that was just a whole product placement episode. And it was something that I watched and that happened to me. And now it's happened to you, kind of. So, <laughs> that on. <laughs> so, if you're curious about that episode, it is season seven, episode 13. It's called Hero. And it was a, a, P, a Pete Ross-centric episode, which is... Of course it was. <laughs> which is very <laughs> fitting, because Pete Ross was the product placement guy. His nickname uh, used to be Product Placement Pete. <laughs> around the internet and i think that was like he came, it was a special like special guest starring episode he yes. hadn't been on the show in seasons and seasons they were like don't worry we're bringing pete back it's, you're a fan favorite everyone loves you don't worry we're not gonna make you shill another product so we would we wouldn't do that the whole episode's about gum <laughs> 
Oh, it's man, true, those are though. Oh, um, yeah. So where do we go from there? <laughs> where do we go from the gum episode? I guess that takes us to the pre- present present day. Oh, thank you for getting us the next <laughs> the next point. Oh, uh, one of these days we have to like just record like a Smallville themed episode <laughs> we we could do that we could we definitely could i still have so many feelings <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to try to tie it into supergirl somehow but i think we could make it work so that all leads us to and andrea rojas on supergirl uh so in season five julie gonzalo will be playing andrea rojas uh, who is described as a polished businesswoman, an heir to a Central American tech empire, who is now making a hostile advance into the world of media. Unapologetic and unafraid to make waves, she also holds a mystical secret. So, Morgan, now that we've gone through a little bit of Akrata and Andrea Rojas's history, what do you think about the Supergirl version. I have a feeling that the Supergirl version might hew a little bit closer to the comics version instead of the Smallville version. Like, I don't see a pirate mask. I don't see a belt buckle. So I feel like... But, I mean, who knows? We might find out, like, that she is, uh, like, a vigilante. Um, But I I doubt it. (laughs) I think that probably... She is going to have some, like, secret powers that she maybe uses and is probably pretty smart, like her comic book counterpart. I don't know. I'm interested in the mythical, the mythical, the mystical secret. Um, Is she going to have, like, superpowers? Well, I, I do think she is going to lean a little more towards the comic book version. I think you're right because uh, she is uh, some sort of connected uh, to uh, is it Hispanic culture, would you say? Uh, Mexican culture? I mean, Central American, it's close. It's not exactly Mexico City. Um, but, uh, but I, I think she does have some connection to the culture, cultural heritage of the comic book version. And I do think the mystical secret is interesting because the character in the comics has to deal with a little girl who has this mystical, uh, dangerous power. So I am very curious to see if the comic book version will play a little bit more into, uh, this version of Andrea Rojas. I don't think she will go around calling herself the Angel of Vengeance. But <laughs> I don't see it. But, I mean, who knows? Uh, we, d- we don't know. She could either go by Akrata or she could go by the Angel of Vengeance. I don't know. Uh, so it, it would be interesting to see what they do borrow from each of those those versions and and make it into her own character and so i'm excited to see what she does especially when she it looks like she might be at catco i mean the the image from the trailer has her in front of a giant wall of monitors so uh i have a feeling she's going to be hanging out at catco and uh i'm i'm very curious to what uh curious to know what her secret is, because the show has not had a great reputation of revealing secrets, uh, because sometimes <laughs> secrets are told that they would be revealed, and then they never get revealed. And then are just never even <laughs> revealed. <laughs> never Which told. I don't agree with. 
Uh, <laughs> it's very frustrating. So hopefully we'll actually get to know what her secret is. So that is kind of it for Andrea Rojas. She's not really around in much, but uh, she is going to be playing a part in the Supergirl Season 5 storyline. Well, I think I think that's going to do it for our, our our character spotlight on Andrea Rojas. But before we wrap up, we need to get to some listener feedback that has been coming in over the summer. Cool. Um, after listening to our Rebirth episode on Supergirl number 24, Gina wrote, uh, you talked about Supergirl using her hearing to find out if someone is lying. I don't know if someone has already said this to you, but she actually did this in the show. It was in All About Eve when Kara, Lena, and Alex are talking to Eve's relatives. It was a very small call out, but I thought I'd point it out if no one else has. I had personally, I don't know about you, Morgan, but I had completely forgotten about this. Oh, but, me too. But Gina is right. Supergirl knows that Bitsy is lying because her, quote, hearts as fast as a hummingbird's, end quote. And, uh, but to be fair to us, it's not exactly like it's how, it, how it's depicted in the rebirth issue that we talked about because in the comic book issue, the visuals really make it make it seem more because it actually resembles a polygraph test and uh so you can do certain things in the comics that you really probably couldn't do in a tv show so i guess that's why i didn't connect the two but i mean i had i had completely forgotten about that moment in the scene so Thank you, Gina, for pointing that out. Good catch. Well, Troy wrote in saying, quote, Thanks for the Supergirl Rebirth reviews during the between-season break. Having a steady stream of Supergirl radio broadcasts in my ears always makes me smile. Uh, in recent episodes, you talked a lot about the Green Lantern Corps. Green Lanterns are my favorite DC comic thing that I know nothing about. I've always <laughs> been much more of a Marvel Comics person, so I don't have as broad or as deep an understanding of DC stuff, but the Green Lanterns have always intrigued me. I think it must be the sci-fi element of it all. An alliance of beings from all over the cosmos, recruited by a vastly ancient, powerful, and intelligent alien race, the Guardians, who are chosen to serve as peacekeepers and protectors. They are, ra- they are aided in their mission by the powerful rings, uh, by their power rings, also created by the Guardians, which are the ultimate weapon in the universe. There is a great DC animated uh, anthology movie that tells the story of the Green Lanterns. If you have time, check it out. It's called Green Lantern Emerald Knights. Stars Nathan Fillion, Elizabeth Moss, Jason Isaacs, Kelly Hugh, and more. It features characters from the Supergirl Rebirth story that you'll recognize, especially a certain (laughs) sentient living (laughs) planet with a strict moral code, also Mm. known as MoGo. Uh, if you want, oh, no. <laughs> if you want the crash course on Green Lantern mythology, this movie is the best. Unquote. Thank you for that recommendation, oh, nice. Troy. Um, I have not actually seen Green Lantern: Emerald Knights. I think the uh, only animated movie I have seen was Green Lantern: First Flight. I think it was called. So I'll have to check out Emerald Knights. That's pretty cool. I mean, I know zero about green lantern so i could probably use the crash course so that's (laughs) that sounds pretty cool i I like me some nathan fillion Mm -hmm. so i'll have to check that one out and now lena luther boardroom or ballroom 
So Elaine wrote to us, I recently discovered this website, shopyourtv.com, and you can find clothes um, from most popular TV. Uh, you can find clothes um, from all the most popular TV. There are even individual character tags. Uh, uh-oh. I see where you're going, Elaine. <laughs> I found a tag for Lena's wardrobe, and it seems to be pretty current. Just thought you all should know in case you were curious where to find some stuff. Oh, Elaine, Elaine, you have just opened up a Pandora's box in my wallet. Uh, I don't know whether to thank you or curse you, uh, because clearly uh, Lena Luther is my aesthetic. <laughs> and there's so many good things on here. Oh, man, look at that. There's a dress with the big leaves on it. Oh, my God, it's the ice cream dress. <laughs> the, ne- the Neapolitan ice cream dress? Yes. Oh, I'm seeing so many, so many shoulder out tops <laughs> and dresses i can i can never have clothing like clavicles again <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty great yeah this this is what we need for boardroom or ballroom this oh oh that um Cruella de Vil coat's on here is it really oh this is exciting oh this is it this costs is 699 dollars oh my god <laughs> Goodbye, money. <laughs> what what if like people start like following my Instagram and going, wait, didn't Lena wear that? <laughs> it's just like I'm just really poor now, but I'm so well dressed. <laughs> and you just start to uh, accumulate Lena Luther's wardrobe over time. Is this what you want for your birthday? Do we just all need to contribute money <laughs> towards the <laughs> Lena Luther wardrobe uh, fund? I start like my Kickstarter to like <laughs> let, let Morgan live her truth, <laughs> dressing as <laughs> Lena Luther. <laughs> This has been Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. Uh, well, new Rachel wrote in to teach us about another midnight in DC Comics uh, because we 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 referenced the DC Comics version, who was the actor who uh, wanted to fight crime as his character and then just decided to be a <laughs> vigilante uh, as that character. Uh, so new Rachel wrote in to teach us about another midnight from DC Comics. She writes, quote, There was a character with a similar name stylized as M1DN1GHT in the Rebirth Superwoman series, introduced in issue 14 as the main antagonist for The Midnight Hour arc that la- uh, for the midnight hour arc that lasted from issue 15 through issue 18 to the end of the series this version of midnight is female seems to have the same power set as the midnight being introduced in supergirl and as ties to lena luther unquote uh so this is great to know new rachel because i had started reading the superwoman series because i had been tricked because I was under the impression when it first started that it was going to be a Lois Lane series. Well, at the end of, like, issue one, Lois dies. And I was what? so <laughs> mad. <laughs> I was like, what? Um, but I kept reading it because uh, I just wanted to see where it was going. Uh, Lois haunted Lana Lang for a little while, and that was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> but after a while, I just... I. I got behind and I couldn't keep up with it, so I stopped reading. So I must have stopped before this midnight 
uh, character was introduced. So this is really good information to know. So maybe they are pulling from this version of Midnight from DC Comics. And I wouldn't have found this in my uh, internet browser search because I actually typed Midnight as it's spelled out. So this M1DN1GHT <laughs> would not have come up. Um, so this is very interesting. I'll have to go back and finish uh, Superwoman because Lena Luthor does make an appearance in the Superwoman series, although it's mostly about Lana Lang. I was not hmm. that. That's not what I had signed up for. Uh, <laughs> no, Su- Superwoman has always been associated with the Lane family, the the ladies of the Lane family. Why did Lana take it over? I I don't know. Uh, it was not my preference, but uh, but this is good information. So thank you for that, new Rachel. And uh, so when listening to the Malefic character spotlight. Courtney wrote in to share some information about a volcano name, saying, Rebecca mentioned that Olympic Mons is a weird name for a volcano. All the volcanoes and or mountains on Mars are called Mons. It's not a comic book creation, but planetary nomenclature. Mons is Latin for mountain, so actually all the planets and the like have mountains uh, named something Mons. Our listeners are so smart. I feel smarter be- just because um, we do this show and people tell us how we're wrong. <laughs> uh, I mean, what if that's how I learn all of my information from now on? <laughs> just please correct me. I, I wish more people this would correct me. This is the coolest thing. Well, now I, know, now I know this fact that I'm just going to drop in the middle of a dinner party sometime. <laughs> I don't go to dinner parties, so I'm going to get myself invited to one. And I'm like, did you know? On Mars. Just bring up <laughs> volcanoes very casually, and uh, you'll a, seem really smart. If there's smart. a volcano, Mon's going to be the part of the name. <laughs> just just a little something I knew. <laughs> Thank you, Courtney. Um, we're not going to know unless someone tells us. So I really appreciate you sharing that and, and correcting me on that. Because to me, that sounded weird. But uh, to people who know about volcanoes, not so weird. Uh, uh, volcanoes and, and mountains, it appears. So uh, that's that's really helpful and uh, informative information for us. Well, uh, I think our last email comes from a listener named Lynn, who sent us an email with pictures, and the pictures are very important, and uh, we'll try to maybe mm-hmm. uh, see if we can share these uh, on some social media just so everybody Uh, can see these pictures but Lynn sent us an email with some pictures saying quote just wanted to introduce you to the newest member of our family little Lena my wife Nikki and I adopted her after I finished a mural in the cat room at the the Tunica Humane Society shelter the shelter was looking to add some wall art to their newly expanded cat room and agreed to my idea of painting our three rescues uh Jeriel Harley Quinn and Lex. When I met Lena, she was named Poppy, and she and a couple other kittens would climb up on my shoulders and sometimes my head to watch me paint. She immediately stole my heart. She's tiny and only has one eye, but is fearless and can hold her own. We had discussed some other names for her, and after seeing her interact with her new big brother Lex, we had to rename her Lena, especially after she scared Lex while they were playing together. (laughs) Didn't take long until they were following each other around the house. Lex even made a few attempts to spring her from solitary confinement in the master bathroom during the first couple of nights. She's been through a lot in her short life, and like 
Lena on TV. She's a great character with a heart. We're shopping oh. for a new collar for her. And when it comes in, we'll have to see if you think it's boardroom or ballroom, unquote. So <laughs> I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm getting so emotional. This cat is so cute. Uh, oh, my God. Lena, you're such a good girl. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn, uh, we really appreciate you sending these pictures um, because it's it's neat to see how how you've helped these this humane so- society out, this shelter out, and and how you've taken in these cats. And I love the the pictures of uh, Lena and her big brother Lex. Uh, this this is very uh, exciting just to to see these uh, cats interact together. And I think what you're doing uh, to help these cats and help these um, these animals is really great. And so we really appreciate you sharing, uh, this information and these pictures because little Lena is really cute. Uh, has, it looks like Lena is missing an eye, but still adorable and still looks like she has a lot of spunk in her. So I, I, I think the, the art is great. You're a fantastic painter. I know. I, I love the art. I, I especially, I love the, um, the little drawing of Lena with her with her one eye. She looks like she's winking. Oh, it's so cute. Oh, it's all so cute. Lynn, God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> so please, please share more of uh, Lena's adventures with us. We would like to know what Lena and Lex are up to. Hopefully they're not causing you any problems. Don't let her near a horse. Lex would not <laughs> like that. <laughs> Lex might be upset if she goes off with the horse. Uh, without him. I, I want to put out an open call that if any of our listeners want to share their pet photos with us, <laughs> I would not hate that. I, I, I like a good pet photo. Is your pet name something Supergirl themed? No, I don't care. Share it anyway. <laughs> we will take all kinds of animal pictures, uh, but uh, especially the ones named after Supergirl characters. So that's a great story. And thank you for sending that uh, to us. Well, that's going to do it for our character spotlight on Andrea Rojas. We went through the comics. We went through a little Smallville and then. Uh, we got to some feedback, so that uh, is going to do it. But if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. But uh, if you want to have it on uh, that week of the podcast, make sure to write in and call before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, where we also have a Spotify musical playlist that features music featured on and inspired by the show. We are also on Radio Public and Podchaser. You can find us on DC's fan page at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. And we're on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And you can find uh, all the links to everything that I just mentioned on supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page. And now we throw it over to Ashley for the DC TV plugs. If Supergirl Radio fills your heart with glee, then follow the network for DC TV. Don't fail this city, you've got to hear Quiver, where Amanda and Mike will always deliver. Then run along and check out The Flash, Andy and friends made quite the splash. Don't forget the legends like they all forgot Rip. 
these ladies would never jax you to the time ship. Then join Clement and Nate in the incredible Brit for Black Lightning's podcast where we all get lit. We come to iZombie, which is very alive, except maybe after the end of season five. Our newest addition to our CW crew is the Batwoman podcast ready for you. We jump over to sci-fi, a whole different channel, to check out Krypton way before our bro Kal-El. Then there's DC Universe so we can all stream. The awesome show Titans, we're only summer teens. And if you love the oldies, may I recommend classic DC TV. Honestly, 10 out of 10. That's it, I hope. Please, Andy, good night. But I would make an exception for Young Justice, all right? Check out DC TV Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid and Instagram at TheDerbyKid. Uh, I do have some uh, YouTube videos. You can find youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. I'm actually working. It's I know it's like months and months late, but I'm... <laughs> That's how I roll these days. I uh, <laughs> just expect all my videos to take like three years to to finish. I am working on my Superman Celebration video. I know I did uh, a podcast episode on it uh, just to get it out there, but the video is a little more intensive. Uh, but if you are interested in seeing any of the people who I interviewed uh, for that podcast episode, I have uh, actual video interviews with them and some uh, things in Metropolis and in the Superman Museum. Uh, so I am working on that. Hopefully within the next couple of weeks, I'll be able to have that posted and ready to go. So I'm finally getting that in the works. Uh, I'm also a contributor to JLU Podcast, which you can find over at jluniverse.podomatic.com. We're releasing some of our Man of Steel episodes. So if you're interested in that, uh, you can check out that feed. And if you want to hear me do some voice acting, you can subscribe to a sketch comedy podcast called The Fakest, and that's Fakest with an I. And uh, recently, I believe it's episode 207, you might hear Leanne reading a uh, an ad for Supergirl Radio, which is a little Ooh. meta uh, to have the character I play uh, promote this podcast. Uh, so if you can wrap your brain around that. It's very funny. Um, so uh, you should definitely check out The Fakest. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. You can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. Uh, I know I say this all the time, and you don't believe my howl empty words, but we, are actually, <laughs> we actually are planning on recording an episode this Friday, this very Friday. Um it, I mean, are you, if you're listening way in the future, it could be that Friday too. That's how <laughs> these things tend to go. But, but we, uh, we're planning on releasing an episode since we've got this long hiatus and they might be doing historical bad guys on the legends, uh, of tomorrow next season. We're going to do, we're going to do some deep dives into some historical figures. Now we don't generally do what you would call preparation for this podcast <laughs> that often. So we're going to see how this one goes. I think this could be fun. It's going to be something, that's for sure. So you're going to want to subscribe to the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, and you're going to want to subscribe because we never uh, release our episodes when we say we're going to. And so it's like a fun little surprise when it just shows up in, in your podcast feed of choice. Oh, well, that is exciting. I like history. I like learning about history, so I'm excited to, to, to know what uh, you, you have to share. Uh, with us about history 
I'm very excited to learn. It should be good times. <laughs> well, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this character spotlight on Andrea Rojas. So until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still more... Glennon. And it's a good thing Supergirl doesn't wear a mask because Andrea Rojas is right. The mask doesn't look so good with glasses over it. Right. <laughs>